Bank Stadium. Their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. Stadium. Their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. Hey, what's going on? Dodgers Nation, Doug McCain here. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. The Dodgers got deals done with nine of their 10 arbitration eligible players. We're going to break it down. We're going to talk about Julio Urias. What kind of contract is he going to get eventually? But first, if you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to the Dodgers Nation YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell. And if you want to see us post even more Dodgers content, you really want to support the channel, smash that like button. And it's always on with your takes down below in the comment section today's Dodgers Nation question of the day how much money would you give to Julio Urias what kind of contract do you think Julio will ultimately sign let me know down below and for all latest Dodgers news head over to DodgersNation.com so happy arbitration day, Dodgers Nation. L.A. had 10 players eligible for arbitration, and they got deals done with nine of them. The only exception being Tony Gonson. We're going to discuss him in just a second. But first, let's break down the players that did get deals done, starting with Walker Bueller. Now, 2022 was a year that Bueller is going to want to forget because he was not the butane of old. The Walker effing Bueller, the ace of the staff, the game one starter for so many big series that we know and love and it's safe for that one 10 strikeout game his first scoreless shutout of his career back on April 25th where he absolutely dominated the D-backs it was a real struggle for Bueller and ultimately of course we know he underwent Tommy John surgery he had right flexor tendon repair I mean the guy couldn't even throw out the first pitch on his bobblehead night with his throwing arm he had to use his left hand but still got the job done nicely if you look at his numbers in 2022 he posted a 4.02 ERA, a 381 FIP in 12 starts across 65 innings of work. You saw the strikeouts were down, had 58 punch outs to 17 walks. He posted a career low strikeout rate at 21.2%. His career average is 27%. So it was Bueller's year off in 2022. And yes, there is a slim chance that he returns towards the end of the 2023 season. Maybe he takes on a bullpen role. Maybe he can be a piece, a guy that can get you some big late inning outs or be a guy that can come in if he looks anything like the Bueller in 2020. That'd be a big boost for the Dodgers pen, but most likely he will miss the entire 2023 season and we won't see him until 2024. But something tells me Walker Bueller with his work ethic, if there's anyone that can make it back sooner than later, it's going to be Butane. So I'm still holding out hope, but I'm not going to bank on Bueller because I don't want to put too much pressure on him to return. I just want 
want to see him get close to the guy he was before the injury, before he started to run out of gas. I want to see more of the 2020-2021 Walker Buehler than what we saw in 2022. So speedy recovery, butane. And then next, there's Will Smith. And yes, I know some of you guys think I look like Will Smith. Some of you think I am Will Smith. All I'm going to say is no one has taken a picture of Will Smith and I in the same room at the same time. I'm going to leave it at that. But Smitty, he ends up signing a deal for $5.25 million in MLB trade rumors. They had him at $5.2 million, So that was very accurate. It was his first time he was arbitration eligible. He was third in all of Major League Baseball among qualified catchers with a 127 WRC+. plus. So his bat was 27% above league average. His 24 home runs were first. His 87 RBIs were also first. And yet he did not make the All-Star team once again. One of the biggest snubs was Smitty last season, but I'm telling you, he's making the All-Star game in 2023. And then there's Dustin May. He was projected to make $1.4 million, and he gets a nice raise at $1.675 million. If you look at his numbers, of course, he was returning from that Tommy John surgery, missed almost 16 months of action, and he goes 2-3 and three with a 4-5 ERA, a 4.38 FIP, a 3.67 expected ERA. The punch-outs, the walks, that was the inconsistency. He did have 29 strikeouts, but 14 walks in 30 innings of work. He did flash in those moments of brilliance, especially in his return when he went five scoreless, had nine punch-outs, allowed just a single and two walks, but still the command issues are what you want to focus on if you're Dustin May. Working on the inner half with that two-seam fastball, getting guys out like we saw before he went down with the injury in 2021. So the stuff is still filthy. He's still the filth freak. His stuff still moves more than a military family. And I think Dustin Mania is going to return in 2023, but he definitely has to sure up that command. That was his first year of arbitration eligibility. You did see those ups and downs last season. Didn't even get an opportunity to pitch in the NLDS. Was suffering with that lower back injury even after the return. So the key for Dustin May, getting him healthy and continue to refine that command. Be consistent with that delivery. So I'm excited. I think he's going to have a big year in 2023. I'm hoping that he has that Tony Gonson-like breakthrough that we saw in 2022, but for Dustin Mania. And the next Trace Thompson, MLB trade rumors projected him to take home $1.7 million. He ends up agreeing to a deal at $1.45 million. And Trace Thompson really was the feel-good story of the year for the Dodgers. He traces his steps back to L.A., where it all started, and he was fantastic in his role. Of course, Mookie Betts collided with Cody Bellinger in the outfield. He cracks his rib. They go out there and they sign Trace Thompson. It looked like it was going to be very temporary. It looked like sooner than later, the Dodgers would be without a Trace, but he sticks and he ends up making that NLDS roster, and he really had a prominent role by the end of the season. If you look at his numbers, he slashed 268, 364, 537, with 13 bombs, had a 142 weighted runs created plus in 80 games with LA. If you look at his exit velocity, his barrel rates, they were up there with some of the team leaders, the Freddie Freemans of the world. He was punishing mistakes. He was hitting the ball hard all season long. Ran to a little bit of a slump there, but still, in the role they had for him, he was excellent. He was a pleasant surprise for the Dodgers. And the interesting thing to note with Trace Thompson was those reverse splits. You hope that he was going to come in and be a lefty killer, but really, against Southpaws, he struggled. He had a 621 OPS versus lefties and a very impressive 1,010 OPS versus righties. So 
So we'll see if he can continue to produce or if Cinderella is going to turn into a pumpkin this season with the Dodgers or we're going to see Clay Thompson and Steph Curry rocking at Dodgers Stadium. Hopefully that's the case. And then next there's Bruce Dar Gratterall. MLB trade rumors had him at $1.2 million. He ends up signing for $1.225 million. If you look at the year he had last year, he quietly continued to improve for the Dodgers. A 326 ERA that was third on the team amongst relievers. He had four saves. He had a career high in FIP at 295. And yes, he doesn't miss bats as much as you would expect for a guy that throws triple digit heat, but he doesn't have that long extension. He throws strikes and he induces soft contact. So Bruce Dar Gratterall, I think he's emerging. I think he will be Bruce Star Gratterall. And I think the bazooka is definitely trending in the right direction. I think his stock is up heading into this season. And then my guy, Yancy Almonte, MLB trade rumors had him at $1 million. He ends up agreeing to a deal at $1.5 million. That's per Juan Toribio at MLB.com and Fabian Ardaya of The Athletic. And he was fantastic for the Dodgers. Another one of these reclamation projects that worked out. If you look at his numbers last season, he was phenomenal in his role. A 1.02 ERA, 33 punch outs to 10 walks and 35 in the third's innings of work at a 3-1-7 fifth. And Yancy Almonte, the big discovery I talked to him at spring training, was ditching that four-seam fastball and going to that sinker-slider combination. His stuff is filthy. He's going to continue to be a big piece for this Dodgers bullpen. Got some postseason action. That's always big to continue to develop. And then Caleb Ferguson, he was projected to make $1.1 million by MLB Trade Rumors. He ends up signing a deal for $1.1 million. So they were right on the money. Last season, a 1.82 ERA, a 3.05 expected ERA, a 3.5. Gave up just one home run last season, so he was keeping the ball in the yard. His struggle with command there a little late, but still coming off that Tommy John surgery, Caleb Ferguson does get talked about a lot, but his stuff is filthy, and I think the Dodgers as another lefty out of that pen. I see him taking on an increased role this season. I think he just needs a little TLC from this organization. They need to give him a little more trust and give him some more opportunities and then next one of the big breakout stars from last season Evan Phillips fireman Phillips Dr. Phil his teammates called him honey bun well he was outstanding he had a 114 ERA that was best in all of major league baseball among qualified relievers his 153 opponents batting average was sixth MLB trade rumors projected him to sign a deal worth 1.4 million he ends up signing for 1.3 million and I believe that Evan Phillips is going to go down as one of Andrew Friedman's very best reclamation projects, his discoveries. The Dodgers claimed him from the Rays off of waivers back in 2021. And if you look at the success he's had in this organization, he's been outstanding. Since joining the Dodgers, he's posted a 147 ERA in 73 and a third innings of work. Before that, with three teams, Braves, Orioles, and the Rays, he had a 726 ERA in 57 innings of work. So you got to give him credit as well. He's figured things out. You see that cutter breaking bats. I mean, he's been an absolute beast for the Dodgers. And yes, relievers can be very volatile from year to year. You've seen some one-year wonders, but I don't think that's going to be the case with Evan Phillips. I think Dr. Phil is going to continue to get better and better because now he has the confidence. He knows he is the guy and he's that man. And I expect big things for him in 2023. And then there's Julio Urias. And the Urias, he definitely got a nice little 
possible bump in pay. MLB trade rumors had him at $13.7 million. He signs a one-year $14.25 million deal. Last year, he was phenomenal once again, had a superb season, led the National League with a 2-1-6 ERA. He turns 27 in August. And if you look at his dominance over the last two seasons, he's truly been one of the elite pitchers in the game. From 2021 to 2022, his 2.57 ERA ranks third. His .99 whip is fourth. His 3.41 FIP is 13th. That expected FIP a little high at 376. If you look at the BABIP, has a 251 BABIP. That's good for seventh. But he induces contact and misses barrels with the best of them. His 21.1 soft contact percentage ranks third. He's in the 96th percentile in hard hit percentage, the 85th percentile in average exit velocity, fastball spin through the roof, curveball spin through the roof, barrel percentage in the 62nd percentile. So Julio Urias, if he puts together another top 10 season, I think there's no question he's headed for a 200 plus million dollar payday. Now, I don't think it's going to be of the Garrett Cole variety where he eclipses the 300 million dollar mark, but I think he's setting himself up for a massive, massive payday. When you look, consider his age at just 27 years old. It feels like he's been in the Dodgers organization for two decades, but he'll be entering free agency early. Of course, he's represented by Scott Boris. Scott Boris does not like the idea of getting extensions done, so I never expected him to sign an extension with the Dodgers. I mean, he's going to hit free agency because when he does, he could be the best pitcher available. So we, of course, know that Boris wants to get his guys to free agency, test the waters, start a bidding war. If you look at some of the comps, I mean, Robbie Ray, five years, $115 million. He's way above that. I look at the Carlos Rodon deal from last season. He signs that six-year, $162 million deal. But of course, Rodon, he's three years older. Also, he's dealt with injuries. He's dealt with stamina issues. There's been some questions about his ability to maintain that dominance and velocity late in seasons, whereas Julio, after that capsule surgery, he's really been a beacon of health. You saw what he did in the 2020 postseason. The only thing with Julio Urias is, can he prove this season that he can carry a team as a starting pitcher in October? He gave those three runs in the Dodgers' only win in the postseason. Wasn't bad or anything, but wasn't dominant like he had expected. Wasn't exactly happy with his start that night. But at this point, there is no question that Julio Urias, who at one point was the top pitching prospect in all of Major League Baseball, he's absolutely realized that potential as a number one starter, as the ace of a staff. Now, will he get paid accordingly? Because some of the advanced stats don't love Julio Urias' numbers, and we're going to do another deep dive on this topic next week. But if you look at some of those comps, Steven Strasburg, he was a free agent in 2020. He signed that seven-year $245 million deal with the Nationals, and we've seen he's made just eight starts since signing that deal. So you haven't seen very many big pitchers contracts since then. Rodon was the first deal that was over a five-year deal since that Strasburg deal back in 2020. Garrett Cole, he signed that nine-year $324 million deal. I don't anticipate that Julio is going to get something close to that. We'll see. Doesn't have those big strikeout numbers that some of these teams look at when they want a real horse at their number one spot. But I think Julio, when you look under the hood and you look deeper in the numbers, you see just how effective he is at his ability to induce soft contact. We're all quadrants of the strike zone. I think teams are going to look at him absolutely as a top five to 10 guy when he goes to market. And then, of course, there's Tony Gonsolin. So Tony Gonsolin, the only Dodger. 
Dodger to not get a deal done yesterday. They end up exchanging figures. Gonsolin looking for $3.4 million. The Dodgers, they were at $3 million, so they're about $400,000 off. And generally, these teams meet at the middle. So does he agree to a deal at $3.2 million? We'll see because the Dodgers, they've been a file and trial team, but they can still continue to negotiate if they want to go that route. We've seen in the Andrew Friedman era that the Dodgers have reached deals with 63 of the 70 arbitration eligible players. So that's a 90% clip. They've also exchanged salaries in the past with players that they were able to get multi-year deals done. Just look at Max Muncy, that three-year $26 million deal he signed back in 2020. Chris Taylor signed a two-year $13.4 million deal. So that wiped out two arbitration years with Muncy. It was three. Then Austin Barnes, he signed that two-year $7 million contract. And of course, we also saw in 2020, Jock Peterson lost his arbitration case and ends up signing that $7.75 million contract. If you remember at the time, he was involved in those trade talks with the Angels and the deal that ultimately fell through. And then Pedro Baez, he ended up winning his arbitration case against the Dodgers, making $4 million. The Dodgers had offered him a $3.5 million deal. He secured that $4 million bag. But if you look at Tony Gonsolin, MLB trade rumors had him at $3.5 million. That's what Max Fried got back in 2021. And the great Catsby, he qualified for Super 2 status, which is for players who are among the top 22% of players in terms of service time who have amassed between two and three years in the majors. And if you look at the year he had in 2022, it was a breakout season for Tony Smokes. His 2-1-4 ERA was second among pitchers that had pitched a minimum of 100 30 innings, a 312 expected ERA that was 17th, a 328 FIP. Did have the lowest BABIP of any pitcher with a minimum of 130 innings at 207. If you look at his numbers though, when he came back as a whole, a 241 ERA, a 328 FIP, 119 punch outs to 35 walks. And the big concern with Tony Gonsolin is his health because after he returned from that forearm strain, he did not look right, particularly in the postseason. In his one stint of action against the Padres there in game three. He goes an inning and a third, allowed one run, had a walk, but he lasted just 42 pitches, did not have control of the strike zone, so that is my big concern, but the next step for Tony Gonsolin and the Dodgers is they'll apply for an arbitration hearing where judges will decide in favor of the team or the player, and the hearing will be scheduled sometime between January 30th to February 17th. Like I said, they can still negotiate up till that or at any time but typically the Dodgers haven't gone that route but we'll see ultimately they'll get a deal done for Tony Gonson but if you look at the Dodgers payroll now after these deals you definitely get some more clarity the Dodgers with their roster as currently constructed their payroll is right around 236 million so that puts them at three million dollars over that 233 million dollar competitive balance threshold so as a team that's paying the luxury tax for the third straight year of course they'll be subjected to a 50 percent tax rate on the first 20 million dollars over so this is going to be a tough pill to swallow but when you look at the deferred money with 
with Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts. Trevor Bauer is actually the highest paid player on the team this season, and he, of course, won't pitch for L.A. But that is where the Dodgers stand as far as their team and payroll and as far as the arbitration deals are concerned. And look, the reality is, is it was going to be next to impossible for the Dodgers to stay under that CBT. And then you add the Trevor Bauer ruling where they're going to be on the hook for $22.5 million, and they ultimately end up releasing him unless the Dodgers significantly shedded salary, which would have required them to trade some win-now pieces, most likely have to attach some high-level prospects. That would not have sat well from an optics standpoint when you consider this team's championship window, when you consider the veterans on this team, when you consider the fact this is a franchise that led all of Major League Baseball in revenue last season. They made over $500 million. You're not going to shed that much salary. The only question is, how will this affect them next season in their pursuit of Shohei Otani? Because then you're talking about a fourth year and they can't reset that. But I want to know from you, how much would you be willing to pay Julio Urias? What kind of contract would you offer him? I think anywhere eight years, $220 million, something in that range. I think that sounds fair unless he dominates this season and maybe you could see him in the 250 and up range if he wins the Cy Young and proves that he can be a number one starter through a postseason on a World Series winning team. I think that is going to be the big question for me with Julio Arias. I know he's an ace, but can he be a guy you can just jump on his back as a starting pitcher? He has yet to prove that. We know what he did as a reliever in 2020, but let's see if he can do it also as a starter. I absolutely think that he can. But let me know down below. My name is Doug McCain. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. For all his Dodgers news and rumors all season long, be sure to hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell, and if you want to see us post even more Dodgers content, smash that like button. And as always, think blue, bleed blue, and I'm out.